Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week, we'll be discussing Season 46, Episode 10 of SNL with host John Krasinski and musical guest Machine Gun Kelly. I'm Catherine Coleman, and I am joined this week by GameStop investors Steve Finn and John Murray. If you'd like to connect with any of us, you can do so at snlpodcast.com. Enjoy these selected highlights from this week's discussion. If you'd like to watch our full-length ad-free sketch-by-sketch review, you can find it exclusively on Patreon and Subscribestar slash SNL Podcast. It's our supporters who make this show possible. We are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. All right, here we go. Cool, so SNL has entered 2021, guys. Oh my God. Woo-hoo. That makes it real. <laughs> it's about time. They uh, took their sweet time coming back. They certainly did. They had a plethora of news items to throw at a first time host, but I thought John Krasinski proved to be pretty capable. Yeah, certainly poised. He carried himself very yeah. well. Absolutely. Emily Blunt must have given him some really great insider tips. We'll never know. We'll never know because nobody seemed <laughs> to care about that during the monologue. But before we start talking about Krasinski too much, let's talk about the news of our next couple hosts, right? Mm-hmm. Next week, we got Dan Levy with musical guest Phoebe Bridgers. And then on February 13th, Regina King with Nathaniel Rateliff. So I know y'all are excited about your Canadian host, right? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, well, he, he comes from Comedy Bonafide. So uh, at, at least, you know, for people that grew up on SCTV, they're going to have high expectations of right. Dan Levy because of his father, Eugene. Um, but he's also, he's having a moment. He's been on Shit's Creek for right. a few years, so he's kind of a known figure now at least you know in our neck of the woods um he created shit's creek yeah no he's he's uh, a bit of a, a force you know and he's on the rise right now so uh this is a good moment for him to kind of step out into the like u.s national spotlight like i think this is a a fun booking and because he comes from comedy i don't know i'm, I'm just i'm expecting great things from him and he's got to represent canada so next week <laughs> is definitely the episode i'm going to be excited about Absolutely. Don't undercut his uh, his U.S. Uh, popularity. We're all big Shit's Creek fans sure. too. So. Yep. Well, <laughs> and I believe his four million dollar home resides in L.A. So that's true. You guys got yeah. him. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm thrilled to see Dan Levy. I love Shit's Creek. I love him. I think he's hilarious. I'm really got my fingers crossed for a Eugene cameo. I know it's unlikely, but man, I'm excited. Oh. And uh, Phoebe Bridgers is phenomenal. I'm really, really happy for Phoebe Bridgers. Uh, she is super talented. And I think uh, you guys are going to like her too if you haven't listened to her yet. So, Yeah, the, the fun of Phoebe Bridgers, Regina King, and Nathaniel Rateliff is that I have absolutely no idea who any of them are. <laughs> and sometimes the, the most fun and surprising SNLs are the one that you just go in with no expectations and you're pleasantly surprised. And so I'm certainly hoping for great things from all of them. Absolutely. Well, let's get into this week's show. You ready? Let's do it. Thanks, Jonas. So what if he's never kissed a girl? Big freaking deal. <laughs> this guy practices kissing all the time. All the time. And guess what? Newsflash. Our mom says he's getting pretty damn good at it. Wait, what? Jonah comes to the defense of his little brother, the loser. But maybe he only makes things worse. <laughs> Steve, what'd you like about it? Now, this is the type of monologue that someone like John Krasinski can, can, uh, can handle. This is what we were talking about, you know, some beats or, or some, uh, 
some lines that took too long to get out of him in the monologue. These are the kinds of things that, uh, you know, you wouldn't have to worry about not only in a pre-tape, but something with a little bit more of a dramatic uh, gloss over it. You know, you, you do tend to play these straight. So mm-hmm. I think this is why he did so much better with this kind of material. Uh, yep. You know, he could draw from some of the more serious acting he's been doing for Jack Ryan. And, you know, the monologue, the writing of, of all his lines, that's where the real humor is. This was every bit as good as its spiritual predecessor, the, the, uh, take me the, back. Uh, teacher the and, and, oh, no, the teacher and student thing with, with Andrew and Ego. Oh, okay. Oh, I was going to say that it was very reminiscent of take me back, uh, because uh, in the sense of it's keeping those coals on and keeping right. this thing going. And I thought that the, the writing, the thing I loved about take me back was how smoothly it was written. And how just natural that conversation felt. And I felt like this was exactly the same way. Um, so I don't know if it's, you know, Mikey and Street are doing all these screenplays they've been doing lately. But the <laughs> dialogue in these sketches is amazing. Um, I can't wait I like for this. Home Alone now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a fun twist on this heartwarming trope. Um, I thought Dismukes did a fantastic job. All of his reactions were great. But yeah, the thing that really stood out to me was... Man, they can just write these monologues so well and so smoothly, and it blows my mind. It's not easy to do. So, yeah. John, what'd you think? I liked it. There's, I had a couple thoughts. Andrew Dismukes does look like kind of a pre Captain America version of Captain America. You know, like the, the skinny version of him Maybe. before he goes in the chamber and turns into Captain America. Yes. You, you look at them and you're like, there's, you know, that there's something there that tracks. So, uh, them as brothers, totally buying that John Krasinski in pre tapes, when he can really own his performance and sort of make love to the camera, uh, definitely in his element. There was a moment where he's kind of, he's, he's talking up his brother and he's getting really impassioned and he kind of, he kind of like, like puts his shoulder forward and kind of like fronts a little bit the way that you would think a, a confident, high school footballer would like there was something about his strut that was very authentic and it was just a little tiny performance bit that it's even it's hard for me to figure out the right words to explain but just watch his physicality and how he's carrying himself and and tell me if if he's not a a 17 year old like king of the school you know letterman jacket Mm -hmm. guy and i'm thinking okay great you know like we've seen him do gym um memory foam squishy gym and now you know we're seeing him do this and i'm seeing two different characters and i'm thinking okay so they probably he probably saw the first draft of this script maybe Wednesday or Thursday and they're taping it Friday. That's not a lot of time to find some nuance in your performance, but there's something there. So I really like that. And uh, the rest of it is all, you know, perfectly good. It, it's always fun to have those, those private personal little embarrassing things just get <laughs> hung out for everyone to see. Like that's, you're, you're your always going to get, you know, <laughs> you're always going to get fun reactions from people when you make them squirm feeling, like, oh, I'm so glad the spotlight's not on me. Like if anyone knew my mm-hmm. things. Uh, so that's all fun. You know, this is this is great material and just really nicely realized by a competent actor. Governor Andrew Cuomo announced this week that the New York City could reopen indoor dining by mid-February. Here to comment are stars of the Netflix show Pretend It's a City, Fran Lebowitz and Martin Scorsese. <laughs> Steve? Did this work for you? Oh, yeah. Uh, gotta love Bowen. He is a special breed <laughs> with <laughs> special privilege. Uh, he can transcend race, gender, uh, 
he can do it all. And uh, SNL is not stopping him. If he wants to play Fran Leibowitz, he can don a wig. I love this. But I do want to give credit to Kyle because he has no lines in this and is every bit as present and part of this as Bowen is. And he does that all in his reactions. It makes me want to see this this show that they're spoofing on. I've seen the ads for it, but I'm, I'm sure they're exaggerating. But I just want to see Martin Scorsese fall all over this woman. This sounds like a good time. <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched <laughs> Pretend It's a City yet, but everyone's telling me to. It's apparently really great. So yeah. having not watched it, I'm sure there's some element of it going over my head. Uh, but I thought there were some great New York specific jokes with the, you know, the 92nd Street Y in particular was my favorite. The difficult thing here is that it's kind of hard to parody someone that's already funny. It's like already kind of mm-hmm. almost, I mean, a comedian. She's already uh, a character. So that's, Right. So it's yeah. very interesting that they tried to do it. And I don't, it it didn't not work, but I don't think it, if it hadn't been for the fun of Bowen doing it, I don't know that I would have loved it. Um, So yeah, I don't think there was anything fantastic in the writing here. Uh, and I think it, it was difficult. It was a difficult thing to try to tackle. Um, That ultimately left me just feeling kind of meh. Yeah. So. It's, it's weird though, because the jokes into the jokes in this piece are not the jokes, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, yes. that's exactly it. Bowen is playing Fran and, and, and being Fran, and that's basically how Fran Leibowitz is. The mm-hmm. what's different and what's uh scaled up is the Scorsese element right. of it. You know, magnifying that, yes, she's saying funny things, but we're we're supposed to expect that and right. be more tickled by just the over the top reactions of of kyle playing scorsese yeah so maybe that's the part where if i had watched the show already i would have said oh yeah it's a great thing they picked up on and really liked it but you know yeah that's on me john what'd you think i liked it when they said fran Leibowitz, i thought fred armerson was going to come out because i feel like he is snl's quintessential fran Leibowitz. but if there was a worthy <laughs> successor uh i think bowen would be it this was fun Steve, you, you touched on something that it's not there. There's no real jokes here. It's interesting that if you listen to Fran's dialogue, she starts off telling jokes or like, you know, jokey stories that have a punchline. Like there, there's something you can track as far as what would be funny about it. But the more Martin Scorsese reacts, the less sensical her more nonsensical yeah. her <laughs> statements are. They're not even jokes anymore. They're just vague observations of something almost New York-y to the point yeah. where <laughs> he's just so worked up that anything she does, any word that comes out of her mouth is going to give him the giggles. So it's funny that they kind of showed the the devolution of, of what she's saying and just how infectious it is uh, to him to the point where he's ripping off his eyebrows. Um, <laughs> I just, I really like that as a, as a fun little character dissection. You know, these are, these are just a fun, quick little caricature of these, these people. It's not trying to say anything. It's just setting a scene because someone watched that documentary and said, oh, isn't it funny that he's hanging on her everywhere and just thinks she's the bee's knees and they just ramp that up. And I think that that works marvelously. And if it had lingered and tried to do something else, probably would have lost steam quick. But I thought, you know, just for what it was, which is just a little pastiche, just give us a little, little scene here, a little picture of, of these two characters dynamic with each other. I, I loved it. I ate it up. 
Uh, that, that's interesting, you know, about how you're right. Towards the end, it's just, she says, what's Dwayne Reed? And they start yeah, flat exactly. like that. You're sort of giving me a new appreciation for it. Hi, my name is Ratatouille. He's the one who controls me while we're having sex. So, John, what did you think about the Ratatouille sketch? As a father of three, <laughs> I can say right off the bat, uh, the rat's name is not Ratatouille. It's Remy. Uh, yeah, that did so, bother me, but yeah. I get it. But as a sketch, this was wonderful. Of course, if if Ratatouille rat can orchestrate a culinary masterpiece by tugging on what's-his-face's hair, why can't he do the same in the bedroom? Uh, <laughs> fun, fun idea. Taking it up another level to 80s uh, uh, whatever. Roach, Rochatui, or whatever. What, what was, what Bugatui. was, Bugatui. Bugatui, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, fun, fun little gag there. Rochatui uh, would have been better though. Literally yeah. putting a hat on a hat, but hey, I'll go with it. Um, or Natatui. Whatever, <laughs> whatever we're, we're <laughs> going off we're out of the writer's room. <laughs> um, so fun, fun. I liked it. I, I thought this was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. What a hilarious premise. I, yeah. Man, I loved it. It's, as soon as he took the hat off, I was like, oh, God, yes. <laughs> and then it was just a perfect example. You know, put this in a Sketch 101 class for heightening. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a, a rat. Okay. Now we have a roach controlling the rat. And then we're going to have Anton Ego, by the way, um, which was the perfect capper here. To, yes. To pan over and have Pete there as the sex critic. Oh, <laughs> perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh, just... Truly great, fantastic heightening there. Um, I loved this so much. There was something I, I was feeling there was something sort of Python esque about the mm-hmm. the total left turn of the of the the critic recounting, you know, the masterpiece of this sex session that he's sat in on. Um yeah, so a, another just fun, fun thing that just catches you completely off guard, which is yeah. just more more deliciousness on top of whatever they were cooking up here. Which was ratatouille. And Steve, what did you think? I was a bit uh, misled. You know what I was expecting out of this? I saw the top hat. I saw that it was clearly concealing something up there. And I was like, are they doing it? And then John says, I just got back from Paris. And I'm like, oh, they are doing it. This is a conehead sketch. Oh, uh, we're from France. I thought it was going to be an Abe Lincoln. Yeah. No. <laughs> and then he takes it off and we get what we got. I like, And I say, okay, let's shift gears. This is what we're doing instead. No problem. Wasn't that big of a conehead fan anyway. So here we are, and I'm I'm just floored that I never thought of this. Like <laughs> Ratatouille, or Remy as he should be called. <laughs> yeah, if he had just picked up a different book and became a yes. expert at something other than cooking, yeah, I guess he could just start pulling hairs and, and get the job done, whatever it is he learned to do. <laughs> you throw a hustler at him, and uh, I guess you get this sketch. I I, th- I thought the premise was good, but uh, I my interest was held by the uh, the performance of of Kyle and uh, and eighty as well. I just love that that blue screen and playing with with uh, scale, putting that hand up and then mm-hmm. cutting to the big hand. That's always fun because they never try mm-hmm. to make it realistic. You always know <laughs> the humor is that it's a giant hand there being held right. on set. And everybody in the audience can see that. But <laughs> that's what I love about it. There's just something fun about watching them just play with toys. Uh, mm-hmm. A glorified version of that. But that's, that's really what we're laughing at a lot of the time. Yeah, One thing that I 
really liked was that it it was short and i think that was because they were running late mm-hmm. so i think they probably cut some stuff out but i think i'm kind of glad because yeah. if it had stayed too long it it very quickly would have overstayed its welcome so i'm yeah, actually we got glad that it was right. last in the show and that it got cut up yep. a little bit if you want to see our full sketch-by-sketch sketch review, search for SNL After Party on Patreon or Subscribestar.com. All right, well, let's get into our ratings. John, what was the moment of the night? You know, I'm going to give it to the reveal of the Children of the Corn in the uh, MSNBC finance cable show thing. Just terribly creepy. The, the right way to bounce that sketch up to the next level and... Uh, Fun was had, and it was a great reveal, and uh, I just I was sufficiently creeped, and that's that's all I wanted from that sketch. So that's my moment. <laughs> Fair enough. I thought about uh, when the cold open started, and I was like, oh, it's not like a political cold open as I mm. know them. Uh, that was a big one, but I think I'm actually going to go with the reveal of Remy the Rat. Sure. Because uh, I wasn't sure what this sketch was going to be. I thought maybe Abe Lincoln, you know, what's under the hat. It never occurred to me it was going to be Ratatouille, and then it was, and I was laughing from there on. So that's my moment. Steve? Good moments. Good moments. I'm going to go with uh, the removal of Scorsese's eyebrows. <laughs> that was <laughs> so ridiculous. And exactly what that sketch needed in that moment. Let's talk about your best sketch, John. Ratatouille. There was some fun material tonight. There there was a lot of like solid premises that were competently explored. But I got to say the one that just felt the most inspired that had some really fun production values. Like even uh, the miniature Ratatouille, his arms had something going on. Like there was a few times where mm-hmm. his arms moved and it the, the miniature, not like the Kyle version. Right. So um just, you know, great production values to add that little just extra bit of specialness and uh, the the fun left turn there at the end with the critic. And yeah, just the, the fun idea of taking children's fair and making it naughty always, always wins for me. Ratatouille is a great choice because it's something that uh, I think all of us really want to see more of on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I like I like just goofy nonsense. Sure. Uh, and so that was that's really good. I'm torn. Between that and Supermarket Sweep, uh, and I think I'm going to go with Supermarket Sweep because I think I could watch it six more times in the next <laughs> hour and not get tired of it. <laughs> so I loved it. Kate and 80 can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. Steve? I'm torn. There was some, uh, there's some pretty good stuff in this episode. And I think because it's been mentioned already, uh, I won't go with the Ratatouille. I was partial to Rocky and Dino. And Brandon over at uh, over at the Subway Marketing, I had a lot of fun with this. And yeah, there were other sketches that were up there with this, but I just really enjoyed the performances and the whole idea of it. And uh, yeah, some of the off-color jokes were uh, <laughs> just uncomfortable enough for me to stay on board and have fun with it. So this is a good mix of of weird and and just off, and that's yeah. that's what I like in a sketch. A really strong back half of the show. All three of our best sketches were post-update. Indeed. Mm-hmm. So, John, who's your MVP? It's Adie. It's nice to have her back in the studio. Uh, she's wrapped up work on Shrill, so we should be getting her for the rest of the season. Um, she obviously was happy to be back with her pals. You know, her and Kate were obviously having some fun tonight. But she's pretty much ever-present 
you know, like we, we get her, we get her in the, the Georgia sketch. Uh, she's the, the roach, the roach and ratatouille or whatever the bug and ratatouille. Um, yeah. And she, she pops up elsewhere. You know, she's, yeah, she, she was doing some good work and, uh, it was nice to see her heavily featured cause we just haven't gotten a lot of her. So 80 had some fun with her tonight. You make a very strong case. She was a little bit more present than who I'm going to give it to. Yeah. Now pick Kate. Uh, but similar vein. I'm going to go with Kate. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> John, you can't just call me out. <laughs> You've been doing the show long enough that I think our audience could have pegged that one from the get go. <laughs> to yeah. be fair, I, I think I've only given it to Kate like one or two other times. But that's only because you're trying to make an appearance of objectivity. Yeah. If you had your way. (laughs) If Kate is in the studio, she's getting MVP. Yeah. So who are you picking and follow-up question-wise at Kate? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's Kate because I feel like Kate had a really good show. I feel like Kate was uh, not giggly. Uh, Had some strong performances. We got Kate as herself in the cold open, which I loved. Uh, I thought she did a great job with her evil twin. And then in the supermarket sweep, you know, that's that's Kate's sweet spot. And there was a fun moment in supermarket sweep, too, where they they weren't on cue cards because they were gazing into each other's eyes. Mm. That, uh, well, anyway, that's nice. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's Kate. Steve, who's your MVP? I am giving it to Kyle. Mm. And I almost got swayed by all of your uh, uh, your great picks of 80 and Kate. Uh, I just thought Kyle. Kyle had a big night. He had a big night. Mm-hmm. The stuff he was in, he was kind of the reason it worked. He was that element that was just the whole the whole sales pitch of the premise relied on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, if without Scorsese, you wouldn't have a working uh, vehicle for uh, Bone and Kyle to do Fran and Martin. Uh, you know, you can't have the Ratatouille sketch with that Ratatouille. <laughs> and, you know, if you're going to do uh, Mandalorian, why not bring out his baby Yoda sure. that he's already done? So the sheer amount of makeup that he had to go through <laughs> and uh, just everything that he made work. Uh, I think he deserves it. Yeah. That's a very fair pick on a scale of classic, great, decent week or train wreck. Steve, how would you rate this episode? Hmm. I think this deserves a great, my friends. We, uh, we got a consistently quality, episode with a few lows and many highs. I think everybody was, uh, was at their best. 80 is definitely happy to be there. And yeah, just her, her rediscovered presence on the show. Uh, it made me realize how much she was missed and how much she's needed. It's going to be a tough replacement when she goes, but everybody feels rejuvenated. This first episode back from the break, you can tell everybody, has been inspired by, you know, everything that went on. And I think we got something really good out of it. Fair enough. I'm actually flirting with a classic. Ooh. Uh, <gasps> oh, just because <laughs> you really miss oh, Kate that much over what? Five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, nothing in this episode fell flat. Anything that didn't work was just because it wasn't for me there. You know, there wasn't anything that was just like, I could like say like, this is, you know, this was not working. This was a bad game. They didn't heighten, you know, everything, everything hit. I thought everything was pretty strong. Um, and then, you know, then we had a few things that I really, really loved. I think I am going to go with a great though, just because everything wasn't phenomenal. You know, you want, I think for a classic, you want a little bit more energy to it, a little bit more buzz, uh, stuff like that. But 
you know, it's a very strong grade. Nothing, nothing bad here. I thought it was a really great episode and glad to have him back. So, yeah. John, what do you think? I think this is a really solid decent. Like, basically the same thing that you said, but I'm just landing on the other side of the line. Uh, you're right. Nothing crashed and burned. There's nothing you can point at and say, oh, that just was uh, a horrible misfire. What were they even thinking? Like, there was nothing like that tonight. So, mm-hmm. right there, we're out of train wreck territory. Uh, on top of that, usually the live sketch fair is what's going to be more hit or miss and more shaky and more, you know, up and down from sketch to sketch. But I feel like everything at least hit the, like, competent baseline. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a serviceable sketch. The worst thing I can say about anything tonight was it was serviceable. So right there, you know, you're, you're out of weak territory. The only thing that we didn't see in this episode too much of that I think would have put it into great territory was just some, some really exceptional moments that the house was just really digging. You could just feel something mm-hmm. was alive and electric. It was a, it was a very even keel middle of the road show, but it just didn't have high highs. And I think you need a couple of them. Weekend update mm-hmm. for me, it had middling stuff from Jostin Che and three features. Um, but are they, were any of them like really super classic features? No, Kathy Ann's a bit of a retread. My pillow guy, I really liked and Fran and Martin Scorsese, I really liked, but I mean, these, this is still just in the like clever, competent range, not in mm-hmm. the, Oh my goodness. I hope we see them back next week. I'm so ready for more of that. It's not like, um, uh, Bowen's, Chen Biao, you know, like there's, there's right. some characters that just instantly, you know, like that is a great moment. And we just didn't have a lot of great moments. We just had a lot of fun moments. So I don't know, mm-hmm. really solid, decent. Fair enough. Well, okay. overall we're liking it. We're happy yep. SNL's back. We got some strong stuff. Really, really excited to see Dan Levy next week. And yeah, John, what have you been up to? Uh, yeah, I, uh, should probably throw up a, a plug, uh, to my boy, Jamie Dew, who's producing the Saturday Night Live Hall of Fame podcast, which I am featured on in the very first segment of the very first episode, professing my ever undying love and just not entirely wholesome affection for Tina Fey. I feel like I make a pretty strong case that she deserves to be in any SNL Hall of Fame, and I'd love mm. people to check that out. Um, but the cast in general, I think, is is really well done. I've heard a couple episodes that haven't been released yet and i thoroughly enjoyed them i feel like the people that he's bringing in to to make their case are uh just really good listens it's, it's really engaging stuff um so i'm having fun with it myself so i can wholeheartedly endorse it and say uh i, I think this is a solid listen for any snl fans go check it out at uh snlhof.com or just look for snl hall of fame in any podcast app you'll find it all right well that's a wrap <laughs> Thanks to Steve Finn and John Murray. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Neil Weinstein, Justin Gardner, Carissa Eubank, and Brian Clark. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on YouTube or wherever better podcasts can be found. Your subscription helps us grow. and Your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back next week when SNL returns with host Dan Levy and musical guest Phoebe Bridgers. But until then, this has been episode number 126 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm Catherine Coleman. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>